Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, today we have Luke Jacobson, the head honcho of Moment Skis, back on Gear 30 to talk about the 21-22 Moment Skis lineup. Now, we're also using this as an opportunity to talk about kind of everything that's going on at Moment, and that includes a conversation about their new factory. So Luke and I go deep. We talk about all of the things. We talk about the new Deathwish 104. We talk a good bit about snowblades and snowblading and the upcoming Blister Crash Course Snowblade video. So yeah, lots of good stuff here. And speaking of the Snowblade video, now I need to make a bit of a correction here. As you know, we have this upcoming Blister Crash Course Telemark video that we need to make. And then I'd been saying that the Snowboard Crash Course video was up after that. It's actually the Snowblade video. I had to look this up. You'll hear me say it while I was talking to Luke. The video we have to make after our Telemark video is a Snowblade video. Now I'm just talking to those of you who actually are fans of Gear 30 and have listened to this program a bunch. When we hit 500 ratings in Apple Podcasts, that's the trigger that means we got to go make a Snowblade video as a token of our appreciation. As of recording this on Thursday, we are at 441 ratings, so we need 59 of you, 59 of you, if my math is right, to step up, drop that rating, let's get this done. We know thousands and thousands of thousands of you listen to this show every week, so you know what, people? Pull your weight. We just need you to pull your weight around here, and then Lou Kappa and I and some others are, will go kill ourselves on snowblades. So what's not to like about this? Now, two other things I want to say. If you are not in the habit of listening to our Off the Couch podcast, we just dropped earlier this week episode number 100, and it is a fire episode with Tessa Chesser. And I don't care if you've never run longer than seven seconds in your life. I am encouraging all of you to check out this episode with Tessa. She is amazing. She is inspiring. She's talking about shoveling dirt on everybody's grave. She's talking about when she's stepping up to the start line, all she's thinking about is go kill them all and let God sort them out. I don't know. This was the most fun thing. Tessa is super inspiring. Again, if you never run, this is the episode of Off the Couch that you should check out, and you can thank me later. Now, just one more thing. Moment is going to be at the Blister Summit this year, coming up in February. So for all of you who have heard us talking about Moment Skis for over a decade now, this is your chance to actually get on the current lineup of Moment Skis at the Blister Summit. And I can't say for sure yet if this is going to happen, but who knows? Maybe we'll have a pair or two of the Frankenblades at the summit. 
and you can go get your snowblade on. Who knows? Just saying. It's a possibility. Anyway, for those of you who would like to get to the summit, or maybe you just want to come to Crested Butte this winter, I want to remind you again, we've dropped this getting here guide to Gunnison and Crested Butte. It's got a ton of helpful information to it. And so check it out. We'll have a link to it in the show notes to this episode. The guide is called Getting Here, Gunnison and Crested Butte. Lots of good information, including all of the up-to-date and current flight information. So give that one a look. Check it out. Then come see us this winter or just come to the Blister Summit and let's all snowblade or something like that. Okay, and now let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Luke Jacobson and talk about all things moment. Here we go. Well, Luke Jacobson, welcome back to Gear 30. It's been a while. It's been a while. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. We got a lot to catch up about. And I think for starters, we should talk about the new factory. Tell folks a bit about what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of been a secret, but uh, man, it's been it's been a long process. But we have uh, we bought a building. We've always been like renting or leasing a space for the entire existence of Moment. And uh, about three, four months ago, we took ownership of a new space, which is, uh, it's in Reno. It's about five minutes away from our current location. And it's over three times as big as our current facility. Really cool space, ample power, great for manufacturing, huge loading dock. So we've been just like gutting this place out and essentially getting to design a factory from scratch. You know, over the years as we've expanded and having limited space, we haven't always had like a, a good workflow all the time. So it's been really cool to uh, to be able to have just like this blank canvas. How close to completion are you currently? We um, we had to do a lot. So the building is actually is is a really unique building. It was purpose built in 1980 for a company called Sky Chefs. And they're the company that has those little like scissor lift box trucks that cater airplanes. Um, so it's like right next to the Reno Tahoe International Airport. And um, there's a bunch of weird old stuff in there and like restaurant stuff and big refrigerators and whatnot, which um, some of the stuff is really useful for us, like the floor drains for the grind room and, and all the big power and, and yada yada. But after gutting all this stuff out and, and building new walls and moving power and everything like that, we're really close um, right now. Um, but sometimes I don't realize how big the space is and how long everything takes. And then also, you know, things we need like new front doors for the buildings or getting big signs for the outside, like the lead times for that sort of stuff is sometimes like two months. So the idea right now is what we're hoping to do is um, we always like take some time off after Christmas. A lot of my guys still want to work. So what we're trying to do is, is have this place ready to move in, you know, by Christmas and the factory will already be shut down at that time. So um, hopefully we can just move everything over in that period. Um, you know, right now the factory, you know, all the power's pulled. So, 
there's tape on the ground where every machine goes. There's, you know, airlines ran. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that uses compressed air from the ski presses to different grinders and the CNCs and so on and so forth. So um, right now we're just doing a lot of the finishing touches, um, little things, adding like receptacles. And the last big push on the facility is our, uh, is our showroom, our factory store. Yeah. And say a bit about that. I mean, just in case people are unaware. So, I mean, this, this new space, it's both a factory and a showroom. Yeah. So it's a, it, uh, you know, we, we produce everything in our current factory. We're going to be producing everything at this new factory and the factory store or showroom. It's a lot more than just a showroom. It's a full service ski shop. Um, you can get all of our skis there. You can get you know, our Voyager bindings there, we do tunes free. If you're local to Reno, we will tune your moments for free. Uh, it's not an overnight service because all of our machines are set up for production, but we'll make them right. If you hit a rock or you just need your edges sharpened or a wax, um, you know, we sell bindings from Look, Atomic, Solomon. Uh, we have like the cast set up. Um, pretty much anything that we like out there, even if it's from a competitive brand, you know, we're, we're going to stock it. So we have, um, skins from Pomoka. We have boots from Technica, Delbello, Lang, Atomic, uh, Dinafit, you name it. You know, we're, we'll do any, we do everything hard goods, all the backcountry stuff from Mammut. Yeah. Just no outerwear, but everything else. That's a lot. That just made me tired. It is a lot. It is a lot. It's, um, it's, uh, it's cool though. You know, it's, um, we're not really trying to compete with the other ski shops in town, but we for sure do. Um, it was more out of a desire to, to carry all the products that, that we liked out there. Cause you know, skis are only part of the equation and, you know, in our eyes, they're the most important, but you know, boots are super important as well. And, and bindings and, and just like getting the service that, that we think, you know, people deserve, you know, when you buy skis and bindings, it's like, we're going to mount them up within 15, 20 minutes while you hang out and wait, and we'll hand you a free beer. It's not like you just dropped a grand and you have to wait two days to get your, your skis mounted. And then it's, also, you know, like it's, if you need new ski boots, you know, sometimes we'd have to, you know, try on, you know, boot X at this store and then drive to the other side of town and try on another boot or they don't have it. Or, you know, they only have like, you know, the 120 flex and, you know, we all have egos. So we need, you know, 130 plus flex boots on anything we ride. So <laughs> we stock all of it now. So we don't have to go anywhere. It's like, oh, this, this product is rad. Let's carry it. Sweet. People, people should be on this. Where is this new factory slash factory shop and where is it and, you know, in relation to the current or old factory? Yeah. So the old factory for the people that have been there, we're in like a light industrial section and like a building behind a building. And there's like, uh, there's like a auto mechanic next door and like a, a bunch of different goofy stuff where we're at. Uh, the new spot is like our own property. It's not like in a strip mall or anything like that. You know, it's a huge two-story building with like a massive loading dock. I don't want to pump out the address just yet, but it's super close. It's right next to the, um, right next to the Reno airport. Um, so it's major intersection, way better, way better location, it, way easier to find. And it's, uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. So another question I had, um, 
was just how are you guys doing in terms of supply chain issues since supply chain issues have kind of been issues for everyone, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't turn on. I mean, you can listen to any news outlet and it's just supply chain, supply chain, supply chain. Um, And I think everyone sees that uh, regardless of what type of store they're walking into. Um, For supplies, we've actually been uh, incredibly proactive about um, getting material in and um, storing a lot of it in-house. That's been a a huge storage issue more than anything for us just because we don't have the square footage where we're at. So we bought a bunch of like 40 foot shipping containers and like stock our raw materials like outside. Um, but, um, we've been going really big with our orders. We have never had to shut down at any time because we're like, you know, missing a component or anything like that. Um, the only thing that we are limited on is how many commanders we will be able to produce, um, this year. Um, we ordered more Tetanol, um, over eight months ago now, and, uh, the order still is not expected to ship until January. And I mean, that's them, you know, trying to find a container to put it on, to ship it to us. And then it will be, you know, stuck at a port for a month on either end and, uh, and then a warehouse and then they won't be able to find a trucker to bring it to us. So like whenever I get more tea and all, I don't know. Um, so that's kind of putting a damper on like um, the commander line and the release of the new commander tour. But beyond that, like we've been, um, we've been able to get everything. It's just the shipping rates are insane. Uh, all the raw materials have gone up in price. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if every ski brand raised their prices next year. Yeah, we were talking with Dan Abrams about some of this and and sort of rising costs everywhere, you know, like on everything. And um, he he was sort of saying that he's like, we made a decision we we were going to hold our prices on products this year. Um, but I think everybody's kind of in, like you just said, everybody's in that boat of like all of our costs are going up dramatically. Um, we might have to kind of rethink some of the pricing, right? Just to be in line with, (laughs) you know, with costs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough because I mean, you know, when it comes down to, to all this stuff, you know, um, obviously on the moment side, I have a business to run, but when you want to buy other things, you know, before all this happened, there was all these tariffs that were in place. And what ends up happening is that it always gets pushed to the consumer. And, you know, as a consumer of a lot of these different items that I see the prices go up, I don't like it. And it's just, uh, it's unfortunate, you know, and then, uh, you know, now there's wage increases and, you know, the price, you know, so uh, that goes up and then the business has more costs. So everything goes up. So I don't know. I don't have the answers to it. It's just like this never ending cycle of just prices going up and, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully Jay Powell at the Fed is right and it's transitory. But um, I think the inflation part, it going up will hopefully stop in a year or so. But I don't uh, foresee anything going down in price anytime soon. Maybe that means we better hurry up and uh, get on with the rest of our conversation here. Since our work here is to kind of do our normal, you know, current ski lineup talk and have you kind of 
walk us through the lineup. I don't know. I think we should probably start with the Death Wish series since you guys have a new Death Wish 104. Correct. Yeah. So um, this has been a really fun ski to build. It was our main focus of last year. Uh, For years, we expanded and developed the Wildcat lineup. And then um, we did the Commander stuff. And then now we um, expanded the the Death Wish series. You know, the Death Wish is still the most popular ski that we make. We don't market it. (laughs) We we rarely talk about it. And it still just is the best seller because people love love the original OG 112 underfoot death wish. Um, so now we have the 104, but we wanted to uh, do something else besides just like take the 112 and slim it down the 104. That's what we did first, just to see how it would work. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, 104, a little bit uh, more uh, on piece specific ish than a 112. So uh, it gets a slightly more traditional mount point at minus six instead of minus five. It has a, a totally different side cut than what the 112 has. And uh, the biggest change on the ski is the core. It has the same core construction as the Commander series which is Aspen and European beach. And it's a really, it's, I mean, the core is thicker than the commander core. So it's a beefy core. Um, and we made it thicker because the ski does not have tetanol in it. But after, you know, the previous skis that we were prototyping a bunch were the commanders and we all got really used to this really damp, really stable ride. Um, and when we started, you know, testing more playful skis, um, there was still some elements that were like, man, this could be a little, a little more damp. And when we put the beach into, uh, the death wish 104 during the prototyping stages, it was just like a total game changer. Uh, it, it made the ski, um, just a lot more torsionally rigid. Even it just feels like a lot quicker edge to edge. It's just makes the ski incredibly powerful you know, it's, it's not like incredibly powerful, like a commander. It's a different ski, right? It has, it has like, you know, actual tail rocker and it's a minus six mount instead of a minus 10, but for the style of ski that it is, it's incredibly, it's incredibly powerful and fun. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just a really, <clears throat> excuse me. It's been, um, just a really agile ski, um, you know, that, that can really just, just rip. And it has like that, that triple camber on there that the death wish has, and it really even shines more on the one Oh four because the triple camber really um, doesn't do much in soft snow. It's more of a, a firmer snow technology, if you will. Um, so yeah, the one Oh four has been cool. Uh, it's, it's been selling really well. There's a, just a huge crew of people that love the death wish. Um, and, and then we're wanting something a little more narrow um, or people on the East coast. So it's, 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 had a really good launch so far. I'm thinking through my history of moment skis and trying to do a little bit of triangulation here. You know, formerly we had a moment Meridian yeah. 107. Correct. We had a PB and J 
which is like 101. Which kinda. is which is the Wildcat 101. And then there was a Belafonte. Yeah. So if we're thinking about kind of triangulating in, in your view, this Death Wish 104, if you had to say maybe it's most similar to a Meridian 107 or the Wildcat 101 or the previous Belafonte, how would you answer? Oh, you can throw the Meridian out of there. The Meridian is its its own beast. Um, and it's not in the lineup anymore, but it is still like a factory favorite. And um, essentially uh, every one of our girlfriend's favorite ski. Um, so we still make that in the tour line uh, in our reserve collection. And the, the Meridian is just taking a little break for a while. But if, I mean, if you wanted me to, Related to those skis, I mean, it's a little bit of a PBJ, also known as a Wildcat 101, which is still in the lineup, with um, a little bit of inspiration from a Belafonte, I would say, as far as like how damp it is. But I mean, we're using much damper, more damp woods than the the Belafonte ever had, Um, you know, because the Belafonte was kind of uh, a predecessor to a commander series uh more so on that's a more directional ski i mean the death wish 104 for the people that have skied the death wish it's just it's a more hard pack oriented death wish that is more powerful that you can stand on um, and go faster in firmer snow conditions but it's still not incredibly overwhelming it still has you know a progressive mount point but i wouldn't it's it's really hard to relate it to those other skis i mean it's still a death wish you're gonna if you if you like the white death wish you're you're going to be at home on at this on this ski. Okay, I feel like I did my journalistic duty here. Try to push you, try to push this ski over toward some others, but you just brought it back to like, no, it's the best analogy is still like it's a narrower death wish. Yeah, but at the same time, there there was a lot of love put into it. So it's just it's more than slimmed down. Um, it's just yeah, it was gotcha. it was uh, you know does designed with more hard pack skiing in mind and like, you know, a couple days after a storm, not like a death wish, which is in our opinion, the, the closest thing to a do it all ski. Um, well, speaking of the death wish, um, what should we know in terms of any particular tinkering that like, sometimes you all talk about this and sometimes you don't, but we're, you know, always wanting to know, like, have there been subtle tweaks or maybe significant tweaks? So, like, help clarify for the current death wish that somebody might order this season, exactly the same as a year ago, changed, you know, help us out here. Yeah, so we are always tinkering. Um, the Sometimes we change things internally in the ski, um, just little things of construction, and we never talk about it. Um, but if you look at all the skis this year versus last year, you will notice a little weight increase. Um, and we've had this conversation before. Um, <laughs> have we? We have just a few times. Oh, weird. So um, the difference between uh, last year's and this year's uh, Death Wish series and Wildcat series is the tip tail spacer 
Um, so that tip tail material, we um, now on those, we consider those the Death Wish and the Wildcat are freestyle skis. And on anything freestyle, the tip tail spacer is thicker. Um, so it adds a little weight and then it adds a little bit more plastic into the ski. And those are, I mean, the volume of plastic, I think more than weight in the older skis that you really like from us, I think is, is the main factor. So it really quiets things down. It, it provides a really smooth ride that, that kind of damp feeling that you liked in the, you know, the old, uh, bibby and blister pro and things like that so we kind of brought that you know because of the construction changes over the years that we've talked about kind of changing the core construction and the sidewall construction kind of reduce the volume of of either uhmw pe or abs in the ski we bring a little bit uh more of that uhmw back into the ski in the tip tail spacer and it is really subtle it's like 0.3 millimeters and it doesn't have some crazy technology behind it or some new additive we're throwing in there. So it's not like a super sexy sales pitch that we're talking about. But at the end of the day, when we were, you know, ABAing a lot of things over the last year and a half, it was like, yeah, no, let's, let's run the thicker tip tail. This is like a really simple and elegant solution that, you know, uh, really makes, makes a nice little improvement to the ski. So um, that's the, that's the real difference on the, on the death wish. Um, that ski has not been changed in 11 years as far as side cut, camber and rocker or anything else, just, just material and construction. Where do you want to go next? Uh, just down the line. I mean, the wildcat, um, you know, the wildcat, same thing, tip tail spacer, as I just said, um, that is, that is essentially just a graphic change this year on um, the wildcat 101, uh, the 108, and the, the OG Wildcat, which is, uh, you know, 116, unless you go to the 190 length, and it's a, uh, a 118. I guess what I will say on that series is that, um, like the Meridian, the Bella 116, the super fat uh, women's Powski we had last year is no longer in the lineup. Um, we just don't have enough hours in the day to make all these skis um, based on our demand and the Bella 116 did incredibly well but um, instead of just that ski was kind of a graphic swap on a shorter Wildcat it had some slight construction changes but it wasn't anything real revolutionary so what we did for this year is we just make the Wildcat in a shorter 164 which kind of filled the place of the uh, Bella 116, 162. And so that allows um, women and shorter uh, men or younger boys to get on a Wildcat and uh, just kind of cleans up the line a little bit there. So the, the 164 Wildcat is a new addition this year. Gotcha. And we'll say it again. For women who are looking for a wider ski, maybe looking specifically for a Bella 116, you're directing them to the Wildcat now. Yeah, Wildcat 164, if that's the, the right size for them. Anything else to say about annoying tweaks that we always are doing our best to keep up on when it comes to the 101 or 108? Uh, not really. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I, I should have some great marketing uh, jargon for you. Um, no, you know, no, no, 
you know our thing is please for the love of god don't change it and if you do change it can we like ideally can we talk about it first or at least let us know after the fact that's kind of my take you should just come to reno and make the skis jonathan <laughs> no <laughs> nope i don't want to do that that's that's a lot of hard work i got, got i've got a few other things going on I, uh, we just like to we just like to be up in you know aware yeah yeah well i'm excited for you uh to try the uh this year's version of the the wildcat and the, and the 184 and the 190 um and see what you think i we did make a pair like two years ago with beach like essentially a commander like style yeah. core in the wildcat <laughs> oh my goodness that ski was uh it was a lot of fun but you could it was a bear <laughs> uh yeah so that's too much but we just keep joking that we're just gonna put that commander core in there with two sheets of metal and send you a wildcat and be like is it heavy enough now <laughs> <laughs> the ellsworth pro the ellsworth pro no no all things there's a balance there's a proper balance for all things i agree um it's just we just might need to <laughs> move the needle for where the balance is actually when it comes to you know weight on some things Okay, so that is our, we talked about Wildcat 101, 108, and Wildcat 116 slash 118. Where do you want to go next? Yeah, so the next thing down the line, how we talk about it would be the Commander series. Again, cleaning up the line, the Commander 118 uh, is gone. Uh, That's an awesome ski. It's a specialty ski. And more people have been asking for it this year than ever before now that it doesn't mm. exist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> surefire way to surefire way to increase demand is yeah. just discontinue stuff. Yeah, they're like, well, wh- why'd you discontinue the 118? It's like, well, because you didn't buy it. <laughs> didn't buy enough of them, you know? So um, we will... We still have made some for for Tyler Curl. That's the ski he likes to compete on. Um, If we will have time this winter to make a short run of them uh, for public release, uh, I don't know. It's it's not likely uh, based off of of demand right now on on other things. But, you know, the the 98, Commander 98 and the 108 come back uh, unchanged. Uh, some minute construction changes uh, internally that do not affect the the ski at all. It was um, mainly uh, to make uh, production more efficient. The assembly of that ski is uh, pretty complex um, with the the full width tetanol underfoot and a tail block. Um, and, and there's just a lot of there's a lot of parts that go into the commander uh, more than any other ski we make. So uh, just some minute things internally in there. Um, but with the skis, uh, you know, uh, we're really, really happy with how those are skiing. Um, and uh, yeah, but then we did come out with the commander tour, which is a 104, which is a little weird for us because um, most of our tour lineup the Death Wish and the Wildcat Tour 108 and the Wildcat Tour are essentially just the same 
uh, ski, camber, side cut, rocker um, as their, their resort counterpart, but just with um, a different composite layup, a different core, and the uh, fishtail. So your skin clip stays on a little bit better. But, you know, when we were looking at our tour line and we were, you know, testing the commander, I think we talked about this the last time we spoke, like two years ago, like the reason we, we changed the commander from, from the first year or two is because we were trying to make a commander tour. And when we lightened up the stock commander as a starting point, it showed some issues. And then we changed that original tour prototype and we're like, whoa, this is pretty cool. We need to do this with the resort ski. So that's what happened to the commander, you know, uh, the last two seasons. Um, and then we were able to bring our focus back to the commander uh, tour. And none of us really wanted to make a tour ski that was 98 underfoot. And um, we already had enough tour options at 108. You know, we have the Wildcat Tour 108. The, you know, the Death Wish one, Death Wish Tour is 112. It's right there. So when we set out to make a more directional ski, typically that directional touring customer also is looking for something a little bit more narrow. But we also just didn't want to make another sub 100 touring ski. Um, so for us, when we were playing around with, with uh, you know, optimal waist widths and, and, you know, really what our athletes and, and our in-house uh, team wanted to ski on, like 104 after testing was really the sweet spot that kind of made everybody happy. And when we made this ski, the whole idea was, it's like, well, can we make a touring ski that has the most resort-like feel, like more of a commander feel with like the beach and the wood core with metal in it and not just like a little bit of metal underfoot for binding retention, um, but like metal that actually affects the feel of the ski and make it light enough. You know, we're not trying to make the lightest ski. Um, but, you know, but w would be still acceptable for people that are a little bit more uphill focused to like consider it. Um, so that that took a lot of uh, time to really figure out how to how to put all those pieces together. And, you know, it, the, co the commander tour, just like the stock commander has, you know, vertical sidewall under foot, no semi cap full with Tetanol. Tetanol spans all the way up. Uh, really close to the tips of the skis and the tails of the skis. There's a sheet on the top and bottom of the core. It has that beach in there. And then it is still, you know, it punches real hard for its weight class. 188 comes in at uh, 3.89 kilograms for the pair. So it's it's a pretty good weight. And it is a, it is one of the most powerful touring skis uh, we've we've been on. And we we wanted a ski that could uh you know complement the voyager because that voyager with the free ride spacer we were just finding you know it's still it, you can just really push a ski around a lot better with 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 the voyager binding and that free ride spacer so that's that's kind of what we've done with the the commander tour 104 so I'm curious whether you guys are getting this particular question much, and there's going to be a secondary similar question, but are you guys getting called and having people ask like, should I get the commander tour or the wildcat tour 108? Or do people seem pretty clear 
on why you might go toward the Wildcat Tour 108 versus like, you know, who should go to the Commander Tour? Um, I think that question gets asked a lot more on the resort side. Um, on the tour side, um, the question is there. It's just not as prominent. Um, you know, but I mean, once you break it down for someone, sometimes, you know, a lot of, a lot of consumers come in and they just look at waste with, um, you know, and then people try to compare skis that are so dissimilar all the time. Um, so that's why, I mean, before we even start talking about the skis, when we, when we, to someone that's interested in buying uh, something from us or even from another brand, you can comparing it for Sarskis. It's like we break down and you got to talk about, you know, I don't even show them the top of the skis when they're in store, right? It's like I turn the skis sideways, put the skis base to base. And it's like, mm-hmm. look at this camber rocker profile. Yeah. Look at where you mount, you know, this uh, ski from brand X, you know, oh, it has a ton of taper, you know, look at where the side cut goes up in the ski and, and explain how the mount point relative to those other design attributes work together and how the ski will actually feel, you know, and that's the most important thing. I mean, most people besides, you know, you and a large majority of your readers, most people are not asking about weight and how damp the ski is. It's really about their skiing style and, you know, how fast they like to go and being honest with themselves on like, do you really drive your boots? Are you, you know, because on a commander tour, like you want to have good form and you want to be on the front of your boots on, on any directionally mounted ski. You know, people are people that are just recreational and go a few times a year. They're going to be having a lot more fun on something that is more progressively mounted, you know. Um, but at the same time, the young freestyle guys that are spinning off stuff also like those skis. So um, we've kind of talked about that stuff before in the past as well you know, kind of changing, changing up the world of, uh, of rental skis and making skiing yep. more accessible. You know, they're good yep. for the, for the pros and for the, the intermediates. Yeah. Yep. Secondary question, similar question. How frequently are you getting asked like, all right, I want to buy a touring ski from you guys. Should I get the death wish tour or the wildcat tour? How do you handle that question? And do you get that question a lot? The like, which way to go? All the time. <laughs> All the yeah. time. We have, uh, if you go to our website, we have a little live chat pop up. And sometimes I'm, I'm on there or, or Fossa or Tyler or Max. And uh, that question is, is just asked all day. So we have like these canned responses. Um, but I mean, now we're comparing, you know, Deathwish versus Wildcat 108 or Deathwish 104 versus 101 or 108 or back and forth. Um, the main differences between like a Deathwish series and a Wildcat series is, um, you know, first off, the big one is the Deathwish has triple camber. The Wildcat has camber underfoot and rocker at the tip and tail. The um, Wildcat has a stiffer profile throughout. Um, where the tips and tails, the death wish are a bit softer. Um, so the wildcat, even though it has a stiffer profile can be a little looser because of the rocker lines and, uh, the ski not having triple camber. Um, so someone that has a slightly more playful style may prefer the the wildcat over the death wish where the death wish with the triple camber, you know, it's going to want to hook up a little bit more. It's going to want to be on edge. Um, 
But with the flex profile differences, you can adapt the turn a bit more on on a death wish. And so just in general, I mean, what is the what has the interest been like for touring skis? You know, like is that still a pretty niche portion of your sales or has that category really taken off? You know, let's say every year more and more or that's it's been more of a recent phenomenon like what's that been like touring skis versus you know the standard version of these skis yeah i mean the the standard version uh they're still the best sellers but we've been making touring skis for 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 several years now yeah. for a long time and um it has been growing more and more every year um last winter was insane the amount of people getting into touring um you know, because I mean, height of the pandemic, uh, and then, you know, skiing was one of the few like normal things you could still go out and do. And so the resorts were just like slammed. So everyone, and then there's a lot of, you know, people that were concerned about being around other people and wanting to get out there and kind of keep their distance. They were really interested in getting into touring. So we've seen this sector grow like crazy. And yeah, I mean, this year is no different. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge category for us. Um, but really when we see the peak of our like touring interest in sales is more in the spring. I think right now this year, people are just like really jonesing just to go slide on snow and get on a lift again. But, you know, once they kind of like get burnt out of the crowds and whatnot, everyone is looking, looking to go touring. Yep. Related question. I know you guys are moving a good number of those Voyager bindings. Yeah. What's the breakdown between people putting Voyager bindings on your standard construction skis versus putting them on your touring construction skis? (laughs) This is actually uh, a good conversation to have um, because we have a lot of opinions on touring bindings and what skis they should go on. One thing that people love to do before I dip into the Voyager is they love to buy Atomic or Solomon shifts and put them on touring skis. Um, Mm -hmm. And we don't agree with that uh, by any means. Um, And it like blows people's minds daily, you know, because a lot of these people are like, you know, they're getting a Solomon shift boot or a Cochise or an XT3 and then they're getting a shift and they're like, well, I'm going to save my weight on the ski. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, that's the wrong idea. It's like you have like a really strong skiing boot, a really strong skiing binding, like just take, you already have a heavy setup, put, put that, that combo, you know, on the resort ski, because it sounds like you're going to be skiing at the resort most of the time anyways. But you know, people, there are a lot of people out there that want to put the Voyager on a, on a resort ski. And, you know, even though we love that binding, it's still a true pin binding. It doesn't have any elasticity in the toe. Like, so if you want to, you know, choose your own adventure, but like, if you're like, Oh, I'm going to go, you know, this is a 50, 50 ski or, you know, 70, 30 ski. And I'm going to be skiing at the resort most of the time and want to tour. I want to buy this Voyager binding from you and, you know, put it on a stock Wildcat or stock Commander. It's like, no, we'll, we'll push you to the shift or, or an alternative, a cast or something like that. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we really, the Voyager is an incredibly powerful pin binding. 
with you know the changes we've made with ATK to the ramp angle and that free ride spacer, but it you you just can't can't get around the no out elasticity in the toe for resort skiing, in my opinion. So um, I mean, we we really try to keep the Voyager on the touring skis, or you can put it on like a stock ski if you plan on touring it all the time. It's just you know really letting people understand like how these bindings differ from, you know, an Alpine binding. And so I guess, I mean, this is an anecdotal question, right? But like whether you, cause this is kind of like state of the union check-in kind of a question, right? Like, I guess I'm always curious if a, if there were such a thing as the average customer, which there probably isn't such a thing. If, if in your experience, people seem more informed better educated on like oh yeah it's still a pin binding pin binding equals maybe not inbound skiing to put it in half english or whatever i just did there but you know what i mean or if it's still like people are more hungry than ever to get their resort set up put a pin binding on it with that thought of like maybe someday i might actually go ski touring the latter like, and that's why we don't tell people to get a pin binding, even though we, you know, make one or have one yeah. made for us and we love it. Yeah. You know, it's still yeah. like, you know, what's really funny is, so, you know, we were talking about our storefront a little earlier and how we sell boots and this isn't to make fun of anyone, but we had to change how we, we talk about boots with people. We would walk in and, you know, someone would walk in and they'd be like, Hey, um, I'm looking to, to get some new ski boots. And we're like, cool. Uh, uh, you looking for a, uh, a resort boot or a backcountry boot? And man, a lot of the time people would go a little bit of both. And you'd be like, okay, cool. So let's start looking at some crossover boot options, right? And start throwing stuff on. And then you start talking to them about touring and walking uphill. And they're like, what? Why would anyone do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh-huh. um, you know, a lot of people think, use the word backcountry and they think it's just skiing in the trees. <laughs> and so we didn't, Interesting. we didn't know yeah. that. We didn't know that for like, yep. this, this was like three, four years ago, you know? But, um, so now it's like, uh, you know, when someone walks in and they want to talk about boots and, uh, it's like, Hey, you plan on skiing uphill, you know, is we have to kind of change the way we talk about it. And so we ch- change the way we talk because of that, uh, what we learned from, from the boot conversation. You know, we kind of talk about the the skis and the bindings that way as well. And it, it really changes the conversation um, in really understanding. It's like, it's, you know, because when people come in and to the store or, or call us or get on the chat, you know, we want to get you on the best product. But we really need to understand your language and figure out what, what you're actually after and talk to you for a while and get realistic expectations and, and just a, a realistic answer on, on like how you actually ski. Cause you know, a lot of yep. people walk into a ski shop and they're, they're like, Oh yeah, I, you know, I'm rad. I'm the best skier on the mountain. But you know, at the end of the day, um, there's, there's only one best skier on the mountain, <laughs> you know? So, um, there are a lot of great skiers out there, but it's like really understanding like how the whole combo goes together. And you know, it, it's, it's, it's a huge part of the boot and it's a huge part of the binding. And then, so before we even start talking about skis, we, we ask them what their whole setup is so we can make sure that those things can, you know, work in harmony as much as possible. 
because I know that, you know, we, we love the skis, we make the skis, but we're only one part of the equation. It's a great note. And I mean, I mean, obviously I hope it's become clear over the years at Blister, like we are kind of really trying hard to be an educational resource, you know, um, and just that idea, the idea that what we would call off-piste skiing, if somebody is walking into a shop and they think off-piste is synonymous with backcountry, that's an opportunity, like that's something where we need to just help clarify, not make fun of everybody. That would be the 100% wrong thing to do. It's just a terminology thing, right? It's like help some people out. Totally. And that's interesting. I actually just wrote that note down. I mean, it's like that might be a good thing where somebody's getting into skiing and they don't know. Why should they know? They have no reason to know. But it's like, okay, yeah, that's off-piste actually. And that's tree skiing at a ski area. And here's the backcountry, you know. And um, another good note for any of us, I think, in the industry, keep homing in, like keep getting clearer and clearer, figure out where there might be a misunderstanding happening and see if we can um, clear up that misunderstanding. Totally, totally. Um, let's spend a bit more time than talking a bit about women's skis. What should we know? Well, the biggest uh, change this year um, or addition, I would say, is uh, we now make the Sierra Tour and Bella Tour. Um, so before the touring line only really went down to 174 and we considered it unisex, but, um, you know, typically the fair sex is a little bit shorter. And so we took the, uh, you know, our, our most popular resort skis and built them in a tour build and then had all of our female athletes test them and provide feedback. Um, so that's been really cool this year. It is wild, um, how, um, how light some of these skis are in like a 162. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty mind blowing. Um, and these like the Sierra tour and the Bella tour are, are just like the, you know, uh, the men's counterparts where they're kind of the same exact camber side cut and rocker, just with a, a lighter build. Um, and uh, I'm going to detour off just a little bit and tell your listeners a little bit of what uh, FASA likes to call a cheat code because we haven't heard it yet this year that much, but there are going to be people that are going to be like, when are you guys going to make a, a Death Wish Tour 104? Um, uh-huh. And if your desired ski length is a 179, you can have it today if you buy a Sierra Tour 179. Gotcha. That's that's the cheat code. That's a Death Wish Tour 104. Same ski, <laughs> essentially. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's kind of funny that we realized that the the core would probably be a little bit different on a Death Wish Tour 104, but but dimensionally and everything like that, it's the same. And so yeah, so we brought in the the tour skis, um, which which have been incredibly popular um, and and just it, just totally fun to make. And then on the resort side of things you know for, for years uh we just made the women's lineup in a 162 and a 172 length and then last winter um we finally expanded into the 152 length of women's skis and um 
then a lot of the taller women were kept hounding us, which is awesome. We love it. We need to know what, what everybody wants, you know? And so pretty much all the women's skis now come in a 179 centimeter. So uh, definitely put a lot of love into, into the women's line, refine the Sierra a bit. Um, and uh, beyond that, it's, it's unchanged. It's just really expanding everything and honing it in um, and just uh, making the line uh, have more sizes and be more accessible. Yeah. And another kind of state of the union question, how are you feeling about sort of unisex sizing versus, you know, men's versus women's sizing? Like, and I think probably it seems like the answer to this question would be driven by your actual experience with potential customers, right? Like women coming in. Um, and if they are like, Hey, I just need a 179. I don't care what the top sheet looks like or what it's called. Or if you're still finding like, yeah, a lot of women walk in and they're like, tell me about your women's skis. Uh, there's, you hear about it more from the women. There are certain women that want women's skis and they're, and they want to know why they're, they're, they're female specific. And then there's other women that hate anything that has pink on it. And, um, they, they just want a shorter like men's or unisex ski. So it's like, like you see that a lot more, uh, with the women, they kind of, you know, there's a lot of women out there that are, are really fed up with everything being pink. And I get that, uh, you know, the whole shrink it and pink it, uh, connotation. So it's, uh, and, and we've talked about this before, but I mean, the women's line, I think that shrink it and pink it line isn't, um, isn't horrible. I think what's bad is shrink it and pink it and make it softer and use lesser materials. You know, myself, my right hand man, Max and Fossa and Tyler, uh, like the kind of the, the head of moment, um, we're all tall men. So, you know, Typically, the ski dot designs when started started as men's skis that fit us. <laughs> That's what we're thinking about most of the time since we're skiers. Um, but you know, over the last you know fifteen plus years, the brand has grown and uh, become more diverse. And when we go and make a women's ski, yes, we take the men's ski and we shrink it down first. But then we go have women ski it. And it takes a lot more time to refine that ski because we're not the ones testing it. I need to interpret interpret someone's you know uh, description of the ski into construction, and then also you know I'm working with a 162 instead of a 190. So you got to be like even more precise on your flex profiles and your side cuts and everything like that. You just don't have as much room to make something happen. So I mean the women's skis get a ton of love. Okay, I think before I let you go, I have to at least ask you about the Frankenblade. What's going on? This isn't yet your best-selling ski? It could be. It could be. Um, we do have some funny mock-up t-shirts that just say Moment Blade Co. Um, the, the, <laughs> the snow blades are a problem, um, and it's a problem that we created. Uh, I We did not realize the demand for snow blades, um, <laughs> We made them 
we've been making them for uh, man four years now at least, um, and we started uh, making just short runs of them for so um, uh, factory employees and athletes and Tahoe locals had something to ski on during uh, the Payne McSchlonky, which is a it's an awesome event. Uh, yeah. That you know uh, celebrates Shane McConkey's life, and there's a big, you know, essentially snowblade uh, downhill race, and a bunch of other stupid, stupid stuff all day. Kind of everyone dresses up like Saucer Boy or something ridiculous, and so that's why we started making blades, and we made a few extras and put them on the website. Like they were just, I mean, we didn't even promote it, and they were just, we, it was just insane how many we're selling, and so now people are like, why don't you stock the blades year round, like all the time, and it's just like. We, we just don't have enough time to make these things like last year or actually did we make them? Yeah, we made them last year. Um, we typically make them like a month before the pay McSchlonky and um, you can sign up on our website if you want a pair and you'll be notified when they're in stock. You can't think about it. You can't you just, if you see the email come in, you got to buy them. Like last year, I think we made close to 300 pair. It was like, we have, uh, we put bamboo, in the core and that's all the bamboo we could get a hold of and we put them on on the website for sale and i think they all sold out in like something like 18 minutes <laughs> it was ridiculous um so we'll do it again this year spring probably a month before pms but but yeah that's that's the franken blade i i just didn't realize there's that many people out there that wanted to get weird on those little 99 centimeter skis they're dangerous <laughs> i believe you I believe you. Have you ever been on snowblades? No. Never. Uh uh-uh. uh. Come on, dude. No. <laughs> really? I kind of like, you know, as I think people know, I was spending a lot of time on a 190 centimeter bibby. I was like, this is fun. So I that was kind of the opposite of where I was spending my time, you know? No, it, okay. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to send you a pair. Um, okay. I don't care if you uh, review them or not, but just okay. make sure someone is there to film you. Um, <laughs> I, but wait a minute. This is, but this is part of, and like, I, I, I cannot, all of the telly fans out there or just the people that want to see me hurt myself. We're very clear. Like we, we did this thing. We started it a while ago. Where it was like, I mean, frankly, like we have a big Gear 30 listenership. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, but I get it. People don't necessarily uh, love like taking a minute to leave like a rating or review in Apple podcasts. But I'm getting like, I get all these emails every week and I see our like listenership, our downloads on all these episodes. And I was like, we should have way, way more, you know, five star reviews or ratings of, you know, gear 30 that we currently have. So I was like, all right, people, dear listeners, I will make you a deal. If you actually like the show, if you don't like the show, well, one, I don't know why you listen to it, but if you do, here is a, you know, little thing we'll do to say thanks to those who take a couple seconds to leave us a nice rating or review. And it was like, when we hit 250 ratings of gear 30, that would trigger, we're going to go make a Telemark video. And this is going to be like me and Luke Kappa and whoever else we wrangle into this. And Luke and I have never been on teleskis. And then it was like, 
you know, if we, when we hit 500 ratings, we'll make a snowboard video. And I think we're currently at like 441 ratings. So like we have to make the telemark one, like COVID happened and that kind of messed some things up. And then this spring I blew myself up on a mountain bike. And so like broke ribs and blew up my shoulder. So we haven't made the telemark video yet. The snowboard video, we're quickly approaching 500 ratings. And then, like I said, I think the ski blade or snow blade video, I think that's when we hit 750, right? So I'm j- this is just the backstory. This is, this is just so you know. But like, first I have to blow myself up on tele skis. Then I have to blow myself up on a snowboard. Then, then we'll be ready for me to blow myself up on snow blades. Okay. I mean, I follow, but I, I want to do, I want to ask the questions now for the listeners. Uh-huh. M- more likely than not, you're, you're going to be a really bad telemark skier. The telemark video is happening. We are on the hook for this. We know this. I just can't believe for all the many, many thousands of people who listen to this podcast, like if I were just a listener, I would be like scrambling to hit the rating button in Apple Podcasts because again, I would want to watch absurd videos of me and Luke and company just making complete fools of ourselves. But I don't know. Okay, well, let's spice it up. What needs to happen for the first video to not just be a telemark video, yeah, but a telemark snowblade video? So telemark bindings on snowblades. Oh, no. (laughs) Dude, no way. Not after you just told me how terrifying they are. They can be. Yeah, they definitely are. They're sketchy. I'm maybe when it's time to make the snowblade video, maybe we'll maybe we'll already apparently have some tele bindings from that. And so maybe maybe I'll like, you know, make Luke Kappa tele snowblade. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm gonna do that, man. Yeah. That you, we'd need like five we'd need like five thousand ratings of gear thirty if I'm gonna do that. You already get hurt too much. Right, exactly. Yeah, we're we're trying to go the other way. You have a business to run. You can't be doing that. That's right. Okay, yeah, I actually have pulled this up. Oh my God, Luke Jacobson, you're not going to believe this. What? What's what are the numbers? The I had the order wrong. It was when we hit 250 ratings. It's the Telemark video. 500 ratings is the Snowblade video. That's next, and we are like I think I said we're at 441 ratings. So 59 ratings in triggers the snowblade video. And it's snowboard is the third video. That's at 750 ratings. So you might need to send those ASAP. Okay. Okay. I'll make them as heavy (laughs) as I can. (laughs) I mean, wouldn't I want that given how short they are? Wouldn't we want as much inherent stability as possible? Oh, man. Just practice like that, like halfway tuck position. And like holding your knees and you look down and your tips are just like walking left and right the whole time. It's just because we we do the Chinese downhill um, at PMS and oh my goodness, like they ski patrols awesome and um, it's all coordinated and whatnot. But everyone, I mean, there's like a hundred people there dressed up and it's like you have to get there looking like an idiot at like 630 in the morning and check it and get your bib, you know. Some people are drinking and doing other things and you either go to the top of KT or if the conditions are like ski patrols, like there's no way these guys are going down KT. Uh, you'll go 
to the top of the Funatel and that run is super long and it is just like you just pin it it's like you wish you had down downhill skis on but you're on snow blades and like there's not many times in my life I thought I was gonna die <laughs> on skis but it's yeah. definitely like the first year I did PMS like I don't think I ever tried to go that fast on snow blades before and mm-hmm. it I was just in it you know and then there's just like 30 people around you so if you fall like you're just gonna be just ran over and that person's gonna die too it's it's pretty mind-blowing that they let us do it (laughs) yeah yeah wow well my mind is blown because i had been saying and thinking that the this whole snowboard video was the second video up but it's actually the snowblade video so well i'm excited to see that i'm excited yeah okay well anyway that's probably enough about snowblades for now but i do need to ask you about the chipotle banana because if i don't there will be like four people probably that will threaten to kill me for not having asked you about that so chipotle banana the floor is yours the banana that i mean it's it's been around for a long time now you know it was the predecessor to the meridian i mean the meridian is heavily based off of the banana um you know, we designed this ski with, with Karsten Oliver, who still loves it. And he always has like so many crazy ideas for skis that we've never been able to produce, but he's just like a, a mad scientist, um, on, um, in the garage with what he's, you know, he's helped out the cast guys in the past and he's, he's, he's just a tinker with his gear, but yeah, no, I mean the, the banana, you know, it's, just kind of this iconic staple in her line that, that this kind of lives there that people love, you know, there's the majority of the people who want like a, a fatter, fully rockered powder ski from us are all about the banana. And then there's like this, like uh, outsider cult that still love the ghost train, which is a very similar ski that we bring back every couple of years. But um, you know, for a fully rocker powder ski, it's a blast. I mean, we, we made a, a short run of tour editions of this ski last year, which is really cool. Like some of the guys like Max Smith tours on this thing, um, which is pretty cool and fun. Um, and you know, for me, uh, I mean, pretty much anything fat and rocker is super fun, um, yeah. from anyone, but you know, this has a pretty stiff profile, pretty minimal rocker. And, you know, I'm, I'm six two. 180 pounds typically like to ride anything we make in like the 190 length but for me when i get on this ski because we get this question all the time about it you know we make it in a 186 and a 193 Mm -hmm. i i love the 186 the 193 Mm -hmm. is is a lot of ski it just takes a lot of uh speed to make it come alive so you know if you're a bigger guy than i am you know, definitely go with the 193 or you're skiing in a spot that has more open terrain. The 193 is the option. But for me, when I get on a fully rockered ski, I like kind of change my skiing style, try to pretend I'm, you know, 18 again, or I'm Eric <laughs> Pollard and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, play around a little bit more, you know, and, and the, the, with it being so wide, you know, 186 is, is, is more than enough for some of my height and weight. Gotcha. Well, hey, man, um, I should probably let you get back to finishing out the factory and factory shop. Um, anything else here today or is our work here done? 
I don't know when the when the factory opens. Are you going to come uh, come out to Reno Tahoe and come see it and come come make some turns? Are you wait? Are you doing like an official opening ceremony thing, or just do we, you just mean like we, we will? We will. We'll have some party, huh? Think about it. Huh. Think about it. I will. It's uh yeah I will yeah it'd be it'd be cool to have you out here and, and make some turns out here and then you know you can. You can come hang out with, uh, you know, your new podcast buddy, Cody Townsend, as well. <laughs> uh, I don't hang out with Cody. We only, only when we were talking, you know, via, via uh, a video call. But you try. I'd really, I'd really try to stay away from that guy um, in person, just lest he talk me into doing some really, really stupid things. Um, so uh, that, that's my, uh, no, just kidding. We'll have to talk more about this. I'm intrigued. Plus, I still need to ski Mount Rose at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool, man. The shoots, the shoots are legit. The shoots, the yep. shoots. Ever. That's all you hear. That's, all, that's you hear. all I've been hearing about for years. So, well, hey, man. Um, I think that's a wrap. Good overview. Uh, well done. Good luck with everything. We're looking forward to getting on some of the new stuff. I can't quite say I'm looking forward to getting on the Frankenblades, but I do think you should send them. I do apparently have to make a Snowblade video soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to call up the guys at Matchstick because they're in town. So you could have a segment <laughs> next year. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. We probably would just need to title that segment Death Wish. Oh yeah. Death yeah. Wish on Frankenblades. We've never made yeah. a Deathblade before. So, oh, oh God. Yeah. yeah. That seems like a horrible idea. So, um, anyway, um, Hey man, I'm going to let you get going, but good to catch up. Good luck with everything. Say hi to your crew out there and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks again for having me on. Always, uh, always a fun time. All right, man. Take care. Yeah. See ya. Bye. All right. It is now time for our, what we're celebrating this week segment And this week, it's a bit of a like what we're celebrating slash public service announcement. Uh, I was recently hanging out with my very good friend, Mike Clark, and we got talking about this thing where people will often hit him up or hit me up and sort of drop a text or an email and be like, hey, quick question. And then they proceed to fire off like six different questions, none of which have a quick answer to them. And we were both talking about how this is kind of absurd and infuriating. And here's maybe the public service announcement part. Don't be that person. Don't be the person who is emailing or texting somebody and being like, hey, uh, just super quick question. Uh, How does blockchain technology work? You know, uh, just, just, yeah, just need a quick explanation on that. Like, just don't do that. Mike also kind of armed me with a new thing that I'm trying out and I'm going to probably be using it more. And I, I want to share this with you. If somebody does the old, uh, hey, quick question thing, the polite and proper response is, you know, that's a great question. Unfortunately, it's not a quick answer. There you go. That's a good one. So, What I'm celebrating is all of you who never do the, hey, quick question thing, I'm celebrating learning this new polite and appropriate response to the fake quick question thing. And um, I don't know. That's what I got. Go on. You can use that one for free. Now what I'm going to do is actually go get a workout in because it's 7 p.m. on a Thursday. But tonight, I'm going to raise a glass to my smart friend, Mike, 
And I am going to also raise a glass to hopefully me not pulling the fake, hey, quick question thing on any of you good people. Okay, that's what we got. And that then brings us to the end of this episode of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Luke Jacobson for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again on Monday over on our Blister podcast, where we have an amazing conversation with one of the maybe unexpected stars of Matchstick Productions, The Stomping Grounds. So yeah, that's a good one, and that'll drop Monday. And then don't forget, Off the Couch with Tessa Chesser, 100th episode of Off the Couch. She's amazing. You'll enjoy it. Check it out. And have a good weekend. Talk to you later, everybody.